Welcome to the Producer Review Podcast, the premier podcast for aspiring artists and producers. We discuss production, mixing, recording, and review your track submissions. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. This is Not Real, producer, writer, entrepreneur, sometimes rapper, and podcast host for the Producer Review Podcast. This is episode number three, so I feel good about the direction that we're going in at this point. Getting some good feedback from the listeners, and uh, they're starting to show up and and, uh, to kind of subscribe and all that, so that makes me happy and very encouraged at this point. The topic that I want to tackle today is the art of getting paid, or at least the idea of getting paid as a producer. The question of should a producer get paid or just give away free beats is widely discussed across the web. Um, Everybody has an opinion on it, and there's some unique ways of expressing which side they're for or which side they're they're against. So I have an opinion as well (laughs) as the podcast host, and so I'll go ahead and try to put that out there. Uh, But in the end, every producer is going to need to decide what their own marketing strategy is going to be and how they intend to get paid. There's a few things that kind of go along or play a part in the decision making. Uh, One of those things is location. We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, Skill level is another thing. Uh, We also have financial circumstances for everybody's going to be different. Just about everybody's going to have a different um, circumstance that they're going through. Uh, The level of um, the artist that's actually requesting the beats actually plays a big part as well. So let's kind of walk down my path for deciphering how and when to get paid up front or if you're willing to get paid on the back end if necessary. But the first thing I think we ought to tackle is uh, the concept of understanding value. What exactly is value? In a nutshell, value is something that that has worth in the eyes of the person that's considering it. So you'll hear sales gurus and people talk about it. Uh, they'll, They'll talk about building value for a potential buyer. And when you increase the level of the value of the solution that you have, or and that it will bring to your client once you meet that certain threshold you can definitely ask for a sale so how do you build value number one by asking questions so you need to find out what challenge is my buyer facing because the only reason someone really buys something is because they expect to get something from it so what are they looking for what do they want from it what benefits and features would resolve the challenges that they have in their mind so as salespeople, sometimes we get caught up in what we want to do or what we're trying to do and we forget that we're actually getting money from somebody for something that they're that they want or that they need so we need to find out what their needs are so once you know the answers you can sell your product benefits in a way that highlight the features that the the customer needs or the client needs in this case the artist um, track production is definitely a skill so it takes time to develop enough skill to be able to sell tracks that provide enough benefit to the artist so this is the skill level portion of it um, 
the value in the track actually is highly emotional. If you think about it, you think about when we're making music, most of the time when you're listening to music and you like a song, it has something to do with how it makes you feel, right? So if you're selling tracks, then when you're producing that, you've got to think about how's this going to motivate the artist? What is it going to make the artist feel like? What is the artist going to want to write to this? What kind of emotion is going to come out on the track? Because the emotional um, tracks are the ones that express the most emotion actually reach people. So the value is actually in the emotion that drives the end product. If the track lacks that ability to drive emotion, then it's probably not going to sell to any artist. Uh, maybe somebody might buy it, but they may not put it out because they're, they're trying to figure out how they're going to put some emotion to it. So when you're producing, you're, part of what you're doing is choosing sounds uh, that complement one another um, and that really bring a certain feeling. If it's bringing two different feelings to um to the person, then they're going to be a little bit conflicted on how they're supposed to write to it and how they're actually supposed to uh, create a song to it. So now that we understand a little bit about value um, without really going into too much depth into it, I, I know that there's people way smarter than me in that area. Um, we got to consider, you know, what else do we know about things that have value? Valuable things, normally they either have an owner already or they're going to acquire an owner at some point in time and that owner is going to definitely protect that object or that idea that has value so this is where a lot of new producers will struggle because they don't know the value of their own work uh, most of the time they see what other people might have got paid uh, but we still only see a small amount of the work that's done we don't we don't know across the board what everybody's getting paid for each and every single song. So we're getting bits and pieces of that information. Sometimes it's a lot of money, sometimes it's little. Like Old Town Road was a $30 beat. Um, but if you're talking to Timberland or something like that, there are tracks that cost 250,000, there's tracks that have been a million bucks. Um, I think even, I think Babyface used to get like a million bucks to do a track. <laughs> so, um, so you kinda gotta gauge where you are at your skill level. You got to gauge what kind of value you think this track has uh, for a for an artist. And then you have to kind of find out what your price is. So not knowing the value of your work is why a lot of producers kind of result um, resort to low ball pricing and also free beats. You know, you see a lot of advertisements for 15 beats for 20 bucks or or 15 beats for a dollar, <laughs> you know, these types of things. They don't really know what a beat is worth. So they're just hoping that somebody's enticed by a low price or no price at all into into grabbing their product. So what the value that they're selling is low price. They're selling cheap. They're not selling. This is an emotion that's going to drive you to to write a song that's going to actually um, um, equate with what people are feeling. So. They're just in trying to entice you with low prices because their mindset is on the money, not the end product. Or their their mindset is a lot of times on money as far as like maybe trying to get a hit and get some revenue on the back end. Right. Um, but that's not the way we can approach it. And um, think about it like this. When you go in a restaurant, what happens almost immediately? 
like right away, sometimes even before you get in the front door outside on the on the street, they'll have like a little billboard or a, a, a sign out there and they have the food that they offer and they have a price next to it. You know, most of us are still eating in restaurants where they have the prices. You know, when you go to restaurants where they don't have a the price, then you got to go in there with some money. <laughs> you know, you know, you're going to pay. Um, but most of the time they're going to advertise and say, this is what the price is. And when you sit down at the table, they give you a menu. And what does the menu have? The menu has prices next to it. So they know exactly what they want to charge. They know exactly what they spent to get the food, um, to be able to prepare it for you. They know what the labor cost, and then they know, um, what it's going to cost to get a profit out of that when they, they put it on your plate. So when you go in, you choose what you want to eat, right? You choose that based on the emotion of how you feel or how hungry you are, right? So um, you don't choose what you want to pay for the meal though, right? They tell you what the meal costs. You pay what they say it costs. Like most people don't go in and try to haggle like $2 off a steak or something. <laughs> like nobody's, nobody's really doing that. Most people are looking at it like, okay, it's 20 bucks. Okay, I'm going to spend the 20 bucks. And then, um, and that's just how it goes. They don't really question it. So beat production is not different. And we have to get out of that mindset that, oh, I'm a producer, but, and I only produce in my bedroom. So I'm not really good enough or my work is not good enough. So maybe that that's why they don't want to pay. We got to get out of that mindset. This is your business. You're a business owner when you decide that you're selling beats and you're selling tracks to artists. So you need to know as a business owner, what your items cost. It's not the, the artist's job to tell you what they're gonna pay. Remember, you run the restaurant. You're, you're the one providing the food. So you know what you paid because if you let them tell you, you're gonna be broke. You're gonna go out, out of business. It's already hard enough to stay in business when you're giving the prices, but you let them give the prices, you're gonna, they're gonna eat you out of house and home and you'll be dead. <laughs> you know, so, um, so you just have to keep in mind what it costs you to create a beat. You spend time, um, your time is valuable. It's the most valuable thing you have. You spend money getting to the point where you can even make a beat sale. Some of you are paying um, for websites of your own. Some of you are paying for website contracts with um, with some places like BeatStars and, and Airbit and, and those type of places as well. You're paying on a monthly basis. Uh, you're paying for maybe DistroKit or something for your for your distribution once a year. And there's some of those that those um, distributors that you pay every month. Um, so you're you're paying for all of this stuff. So you need to kind of decide what's a reasonable cost and return on investment for um, for what you're spending. Don't let the artist tell you that they have no money. So because if an artist is basically telling you they have no money, then you really have to question in your mind why are they buying beats? If you don't got thirty or fifty dollars or whatever you're charging for your beat, they don't have that they should really be out working for some money. <laughs> why are they at the studio or why are they contacting you to buy beats that they don't have money for? Beats is not gonna get them anywhere. They need they need money. So you need to go get a job and find some money and then holler at me later, you know? So it just tells you a little bit about how they move already. So you're already seeing, if they're approaching you that like that, you're already seeing how they, how they really view the business already. They don't have any business sense um, could be the one thing or they trying to rob you because if you go in a restaurant and you don't have the money and you sit down and eat um, and you get up and bounce you know it, 
it's not free, <laughs> you know, so that this, this can cause a problem, right? Um, so um, think about it. If something has no value, who would try to steal it? If, if something, you can't put a price tag on something, typically people are not going to steal it. You don't have people steal, stealing trash in the street. No, they're looking for other things to steal. Like here in Rio, they they stealing people's cell phones and all that kind of stuff right out their hand because it has value. But they're not stealing other things that don't have value. So I use this same philosophy in the studio. If you can't pay for studio time, but you try to get it for free, I know that you see the value in the studio time because you want it. The value is the level that they desire it. So um, if you're talking to someone you know, and, and you're trying to get something from them for free that you know has value, that's basically almost a form of theft. That's the way I look at it, especially as a business owner, because it's like you're trying to get my stuff that I had to pay for. You're trying to get it for free just on the sneak. And I don't like that. You know, so as a producer, you do have value. You yourself are valuable, you know, because these these beats that are coming out of your fingertips start in your brain. So you are the one that's valuable. Your work has value. You deserve to get paid. Don't ever let anybody tell you you don't deserve to get paid. This is not some kind of afterthought. This is a fact of 1000%. You deserve to get paid. Now, how you get paid is dependent on the value that you perceive from the artist. So now we flip the coin a little bit. So now you're looking at them. It's just like when you go to a job interview yeah, they're asking you questions to see if you want to work there, but then you need to be asking the questions and kind of being observant to find out if the vibe is right. Do you want to work there, you know, too? So from your end, so same thing with beats is like you have to have perceived with the artist. What is this artist about? Do I even want this artist on my beats when I hear them rap or when I hear them sing? Are they really in a position to make my beat go further? You know, so there's a couple of scenarios that I wrote down. I have like three scenarios that I wrote down um, that I, I have been involved with in the past um, and that and kind of like my guideline going forward for how I view how I'm going to deal with an artist. Um, and the first scenario is if I like the artist and I decide I want to work with them on my own time, then I might be willing to go ahead and make the investment in their career. So this may mean that they don't pay anything up front for the beats, and, but I'm definitely expecting to get it on the back end. Um, so we might have some kind of paperwork agreement. If it's a real close friend or somebody that's close enough to me or whatever, we may not exactly do the paperwork, but we have an understanding. They know that I don't work for free, right? So, but this is an investment. You have to look at it like that. Okay, if I'm going to work with you, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to give you some studio time or I'm going to give you um, some beats to work with or whatever like that because I want to see you move forward. I believe in your talent. In the end, I should be able to get my return on my investment more than what I put in. That's the whole name of the game. That's what an investment is. Um, so that's one scenario. Another scenario is when an artist is at a level where they're putting out music consistently and you see it. You can go to their website or whatever and they got releases that they've put out um, you can go and you know that they've got a, um, they've gotten on Spotify or or Napster or they've gotten on um, their music out on on social media and they're actively promoting it so if they're consistently doing that um, and another thing is if you own a studio and they're recording with you how much do they record with you 
So like, you know, I've had customers who come back over and over and over again. So I'm pretty much engineering a lot of their project, right? So if I'm engineering most of the project, I might listen to the project and, and say, well, I got a beat that might fit in the project as well. So, or I might produce something specifically for the project so that it fits. And then I might offer it for no upfront compensation. You know, the value that I perceive is that I know the product is being completed. So my work should land on a released product. So that end product should come out at some point in time. So I want to be on that product, you know, on that product. So um, this this is a very important situation because, you know, the paperwork or, you know, getting the dollars down might kind of ruin that situation a little bit, especially if they're already paying you for studio time and all that. And you're kind of offering to get on the project and they didn't ask you to. So you got to kind of gauge it like that, too. That's the way that I would work that. The other scenario is the one that we don't like. This scenario is the one where you don't see any track record of completing projects. They don't have a website. They don't even have a sound click or nothing. They don't have very much money to record. They aren't prepared when they come to the studio or I had, I had people that would come drunk, you know, or they always got a bottle in their hand or whatever when they come in and, you know, they drinking or whatever, they're slurring in the booth or whatever. They're wasting a lot of time. They can't get their lyrics down. They smoke more than they rap or write. <laughs> you know, these are the people that feel think that the studio is about smoking, you know, that type of thing. So those are not the people that, you know, that you want to be giving away beats to. Those people pay for beats. So until you see them turn around and be like really serious about a product um, and a project that they're working on, they pay for beats. So and I don't personally, I'm, I'm not in a position financially where I feel like I even want to sell it to them. You know what I'm saying? So um because i feel like that pro that that end product has zero potential of of coming out because number one they can't even get on the track correctly to be put out to be a product that i want my name on when it goes out so you have to remember that your name is very important as well um it's it's as important as how your track sounds if if you're putting out artists on top of your tracks that's that's trash um it's not a good thing so I'm not saying don't work with people who have potential and who are trying and who are learning and getting better. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the people that really have no business being on a record. <laughs> um, there's a lot of those people, believe me, if, if you work in a studio or you've engineered, you, you've probably had those clients that come through that you'll take the money. But at the same time, it's like, yo, you know, this, all you're trying to do is get them out the door because they're going to be in there just horrible in the booth. <laughs> so it happens. Believe me. So if any artists are even paying attention to this podcast, then this is how you get free tracks. Be about your business, be ready to pay. And then when somebody gives you a track or with no upfront cost, be kind of gracious for that. You know what I'm saying? Thank the person at least, you know, and then, you know, because they're making an investment in your career, right? They're, they're investing in you. So every investment should have a return on return on investment or an ROI. So what that means is that you got to take care of the producer in the credits and on a split sheet. It's really not that hard. Just, you know, just don't be a greedy jerk and steal the producer's work just because they're offering it. You know, that's whack. So um, let's move on to another consideration. Another consideration is location. Um, and I hear this a lot. Location is 
is the excuse a lot of people use for why they need a click funnel um or why why they need a sales funnel and they don't have nobody in their area but almost everywhere on the planet has some type of rap or a hip-hop scene they got some sort of scene even overseas um here in brazil um i'm in my apartment and i'm listening one night and i'm hearing the beat stop and start and being an engineer i know what's going on i know somebody's recording so you know i'm like oh snap somebody recording is there's somebody got a studio in here so and i actually end up meeting like the, my neighbor across in the building next to me like we have an adjoining building with steps in between across from me it was them recording so i actually end up meeting them I, we might actually do a session he was telling me like there might be a session this this weekend or something that we might do so um you know i might actually get to actually go into a recording session my first one here in brazil um but yeah so i'm but there everywhere there's a hip-hop or a rap scene so there's clubs or there's somewhere where artists go they perform at um there's got to be something i don't care if it's a county fair but I, i've been to those before i think where where i went to like the volusia, volusia county fair one time and seen a rap show there too that was crazy <laughs> that, that was a real crazy night but uh it was really kind of funny but we met some artists and people there too um so it actually was like Luke Skywalker's people, like an artist he had sponsored or whatever. So it was crazy. The police came and had to get like these girls off the stage. And all this kind of, it was crazy. But, um, but yeah, so what I'm saying is get out and meet artists. Don't let the computer be the only way you meet artists or your, your phone. Get out, give a dap to somebody, say hello. Um, it goes a long way because some point in time, if you like hanging around studios or whatever, like that, or you get to kind of go to the studios in your area, you're going to run into them again. Or you run into them in the store, you run into them in another situation or at a performance or something like that, or at a club or something. Now you have a small platform to start launching a relationship and you have people that um, you've actually shook hands with or you've actually said, hey, yo, I like your work or whatever like that. Or um, keep me in mind or whatever. I got beats or whatever. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, they're not paying attention to you, but they know that you they talked to you before. You know, so that's that's really cool. Now, if you really and truly out in some cornfield somewhere and there's nobody for miles and miles around or you live in Alaska and like all you see is white snow and and ice and you can't see nobody for miles, then it might gonna be a little bit more difficult for you. <laughs> so I get it. So maybe selling online is definitely going to be your bread and butter and you don't have a lot of choice in that. But you could still build relationships online, too. You know, that's part of it. So some some people will have a hybrid of that. Some people will have more of one or more of the other. Um, but it's definitely going to be important location wise just to kind of consider what location you're in, whether or not you really should be giving away free beats or should you actually be um, trying to develop uh, the value in your product so people want to actually buy it. So I look at beat sales and the relationship with artists the same way I look at dating foreign women as an American. Um, I have some experience with that. I know people that have experience with that. So the first thing you have to know is what you're worth. As an American, I bring a certain value to the table. I've learned this with time and it's not to be arrogant or to be like, okay, America's number one. Or America. But as an American uh, man or woman, you have a certain value because there are a lot of people that are trying to get to the United States um, and live. So they look at you like that. And, and here in Brazil, especially in countries where um, there are low wages, where they view the United States as like a place with golden streets, this is how a lot of them view it. I've met a few that have said not, they never would want to move or leave out of Brazil. Um, 
but I've met a ton of women that that the first thing they're asking you is like if you're going back to the US. That's that's they're trying to gauge if they can tag along. <laughs> that that's what they're trying to gauge. So I always ask up front what is it that you that you want? Do you want to live in America or you want to live in Brazil? Because I don't really have an intention of living back in America again. I live here in Brazil, but I might move on to Thailand. Do you want to live in other countries? What do you want to do? Because I might live in America at some point, but that's not really my intention right now. So I don't want to give them the false hope that I'm going to take them to America. So um, we bring that value to the table. You have to recognize that you have that value. Even if you're like the ugliest American dude ever, there's going to be women and men too that that um, will do anything basically for a shot to, to make it to America. I have I literally have two ex-girlfriends now living in the U.S., two ex-girlfriends in the last five years that are living in the U.S. who said that they didn't want to live in the U.S. And both of them are in the U.S. One of them for sure is married um, to a guy. And the other one, I don't know if she's married or not. I, I don't have any conversation or really anything with her. I kind of see her online, but um, maybe she is, maybe she's not. Um, but they're living in the U.S. when they said that that's not really what they were interested in doing. But apparently it's a lie, right? So, so even with asking straight up, they said no. So you have to, as a, as a producer, you have to think that people are like this when they want something but they feel like they got to kind of finesse you to get it they'll lie to you don't feel like the artist won't lie to you because they will lie to you you know so you know just like these women here women in other countries um i know stories from different countries um there's a american guy that i uh, you know a girl here actually told me a story one of her um ex-friends actually beat this guy out of about fifty thousand dollars um, she, you know, she told him she was so in love with him or whatever, and she was just draining his cash. You know, he's in the U.S. sending her stuff, money to go to school, sending her money to do this, sending her money to do that, and he lost like fifty thousand. And then when the money stopped, she stopped. So you know, stopped even contacting him or whatever. So um, you know, that's how it goes. I had a situation where I paid for a nursing program for one of my exes. I was with her for three years, and. Um, I was coming to Rio after she finished her classes. Um, after a two-year program that she was in, I paid for the whole thing, books, everything. And when I came here, she was supposed to come here and meet me in Rio, and she bounced to America. So, and I just found out like she's in America too. So, so they'll go with anybody who's willing to take them. Um, a lot of these women, you know, and some of them are beautiful, you know, women or whatever like that, and they'll attach to this guy. And you look at them and you go like, "There's no way in the world like this guy is gonna be able to keep this woman." Like he's 60 years old she's like 20 and she's super attractive or whatever and she's gassing him up thinking like he's you know he's doing it big and then boom when she gets to america once she gets established and once she figures out how to make her way around once she learns the language because half of them don't even know english you know they start learning the language or whatever and then all of a sudden boom they bounce you know it happened to a guy that brought a woman i think she was from colombia and he was like that. He was like in his 50s or whatever. She's like in her early 20s, body crazy. She's beautiful and um, just out of his league. You look at the situation, it's just out of his league. But he's really invested in her because he's looking at it like this is his trophy. Like um, he can't he can't even believe that she's with him or whatever. So he married her or whatever, brought her to the United States. As soon as she got here, um, you know, to, or got to the United States, 
she um, I think she was a hairstylist or something. She was in, working in a hair salon or owned a hair salon or something like that in the U.S. And she started messing with other dudes and bounced on him. And he went in the and he went in the salon and he shot and killed her because he didn't recognize that that this was this was a game she's playing. So producers and artists kind of have that same situation where there's a lot of artists that will try to do you dirty. Um, not every artist, but there's a lot of artists. If you don't really have a relationship with them that will look at you as just like, okay, I can fool this guy into give me or this girl into giving me some beats. And then, you know, I'll go out rap on the beats or whatever. I'm not never going to pay them. That That's their mindset. I've, I've dealt with a lot of people like that and I never give them anything like you got to pay for your studio time. If you don't pay, you don't come back. And that was hard for a lot of them because their friends, all of my business really was word of mouth. So people were really kind of not wanting to screw it up because they know that somebody else introduced them. So they, most people kept it tight, but there are people that will come in and not pay and stuff like that. It, was, it becomes a problem, you know? So, um, it's the same way, um, you know, it's the same way in the music business. Producers will lose hope. They lose money, just like these dudes lose hope and money with these girls. Um, what I say is, especially in a relationship, I've learned, I've, I've been married, divorced, all, all of that. So I kind of have an understanding of how these things work. So for me, I have some rules. I have two rules, basically. Number one, always hold the eject button. Whether you're a producer or whether you're in a relationship, always hold the eject button. So if at any cost you can hold it, hold it. So that means that if anything goes wrong, you can eject that person from the situation, right? So if it means having your paperwork correct, you have your paperwork correct. If it means you having your own house or your own apartment and the girl living somewhere else or the girl having to live with you instead of you living with her, do that because you got the eject button. When she leaves or when the artist leaves, you comfortable in your situation. You keep it like that. If you can't hold the eject button, buy a parachute. So, you know, that's all I say. That's the second rule. You got to have a parachute because if you don't have the parachute, how you going to land? You going to land hard. You know what I'm saying? So, those are the two rules and I look at it like that the same thing with artists. If if you're not really holding the cards with the artist, make sure that the paperwork or something is your parachute on the back end where you can actually, you know, register the music maybe with your PRO or whatever and get the back end revenue that you're supposed to get at least some of it so that you get some something from it so just remember people will lie they will connive to get what they want and in the end the producer is going to have nothing because the artist doesn't value the producer and won't even look out for you so don't think they're going to look out for you thinking that that you're going to give them a track and they're going to they're going to roll out and um you know, and, and, and do something, you know, great on the track or whatever. And then you're going to get paid on the back end. That's, that's like letting somebody steal your car and, and hoping they bring it back. <laughs> like that, that don't make no sense. That's not going to work. Right. So, um, you know, if they see the value of the track, um, they're going to pay you for it. They need to bring money to the table, just like they do when they go to a restaurant. When they go to Burger King, they pay up front, right? Or they go to Wendy's and they, I don't even know, do they still have the 4 for 4 in America? Like, they know what a 4 for 4 costs because it's 4 for $4. So they know they got to have $4. They don't go in there with 350 They know they got to have $4, right? So, you know, they're going to stick you on the back end um, if you don't make them pay up front. Half the time, if they don't have it up front, they ain't going to have it on the back end. And nine times out of ten, if they don't really have a few dollars to give you for the beat, 
they're not going to put it out anyway. So you're still going to get screwed on the back end. It's not worth your time. Wait and work with an artist that's that's working. Get out and and work with artists that put music out. So lastly, another thing that we want to consider is the financial situation. Like um, your financial situation, everybody's situation is going to be different. So that's going to tell you if you can even afford to work for free. If you have another income, you can consider giving away the beat. But really only the worthy artists, right? Artists who are going to put something out. Um, don't shortchange yourself, though. It might take forever to sell your first beat. But uphold the standards of the game. What I see right now is a lot of desperate producers just giving away everything, hoping that they get lucky. And it's, and it's killing the game for the people that deserve to get paid. Because now artists are like, well, such and such gives away free beats. I mean, it don't matter if dude's beats is whack or dude's beats are crap or he's only got, you know, 10, out, 10 whole hours in the game. And now that he's already got a beat stars. Like, you know what I'm saying? They, they're just looking at it like price-wise, I know I can get free beats. And it's that desperation that that's killing the game for everybody. You get money for these. Like, my friend, I'm not going to say his name, but my friend did some work, production, or whatever like that, got paid 7500 to get on a mixtape. And I looked and I saw somebody on Twitter or something last week talking about, oh, your, your beat was on a mixtape. You, you don't get paid. Man, I know somebody got paid 7500 for a mixtape. And then that song got put on an album and he got the highest points you get for um, an artist that um, that's not signed, like a producer that's not signed. He got his points, he got everything. So and he got he got the 7500 again. So he made like 15,000 off that one beat. And then he did more work because the artist himself was a good businessman. He took care of the people that that work for him and, and that do beats for him. He was just a good artist. He does good business. So, you know, you don't want to get caught up in the game um, and just caught up because somebody wants to catch you up in it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm kind of um, going to get ready to get out of here. We're pushing about 30 some odd minutes right now, but I'm still looking for producers. I'm looking for about four producers right now to send out the questions for the interview segment. So I have a couple that I, I think I want to send invitations to already. Um, I do have some requirements for consideration. You do need a mic and a DAW to record your answers so that it's clear um, and a quiet space, of course, so that, you know, our listeners aren't bombarded with a lot of background noise or, or at least that it's, it's kind of upfront. You don't have to do a whole lot of processing to it. Um, just as long as the volume is decent, it doesn't have to be zeroed out or limited or anything like that. I really prefer not to because I'm going to go ahead and put system and chop it up anyway um so really that's it just a mic and a daw and then the other thing is I, I need you to have some years of production work i think anything less than five years is not enough experience not to be on the show coaching other other producers it's it takes about ten thousand hours to learn a craft that's kind of the number that's put out um so you may be a great producer you might be sounding good or whatever like that but i want people who have been through um, been in the game for a little bit maybe five years or or more is kind of where i'm putting it because um those people are the ones who have been through a lot of changes um even changes just in technology they have knowledge for that um they have changes in how beats have been sold over the years and in the platforms that have come out um a few years ago there was no beat stars a few years ago maybe there wasn't a, a sound gen or, or um or even a sound click or you know years ago there was a cd baby but i think that's kind of changed too like um the way we used to put things on cd baby was with like actual cds 
Um, so, and I think we, I, I wonder if we, I think we had to send them the CDs too, or something, something like that. We had to package it ourselves or something. So, um, you know, so there's those changes that happen in the history of recording is important, just as important as the beats that come out today. It's the history of how we kind of got here. Those are the insights that the producers can, um, can give us on the, on the podcast. And that's what I'm looking for. So thanks for tuning in. Once again, this is Knock Rio, and this has been the Producer Review Podcast, Episode 3. Look for ILI Music Group on IG and YouTube, and hit the subscribe button if you can. Thank you for tuning in. See you later. Bye.